Welcome to In the Deep. I'm your host, Catherine Ingram. The following is excerpted from Dharma Dialogues, held in March 2017 in Byron Bay, Australia. It's called Relying on How It Feels. When one is at ease, when one is resting in simple presence, we rely much more on how something feels as we proceed through life. It's sort of this gauge you, you just start to trust. You trust your own discernment in the moment. You don't have to so much have all your strategies lined up in advance. You trust that as you go, your own clear awareness, your own simple presence is alive and awake. Your senses are awake. And so all of the various feedback needed in any given moment, you're relying on. You're relying on how it feels. You're not as much relying on your thinking about it. Thinking is fine. The mind is a good employee but not a good employer. Thinking is fine. We think a lot. (laughs) As we go, we plan and this and that. But what we really can rely on for a... for for the, the way through in the most clear, the most dharmic, the most wise is the feeling sense. So sometimes we're going along and you know those little signals, you know, it's like there's a flutter in your body that just is saying, wait a minute, hang on, no, 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 no. But you sometimes forge ahead for all kinds of other reasons. And sometimes you have to, sometimes you have to, but a lot of times you don't have to. There was some other confluence of, of decision that you felt obliged to follow when in fact something inside is saying, oh, oh, don't don't go further or else step over, step around, step out, go back. And other times when you're just pulled, you're just pulled effortlessly. And even though it doesn't look right on paper, And even though maybe all of your friends are telling you, no, no, don't do it that way. But something inside is is irresistibly being pulled. So one, as we are quieter and deeper and simpler and more at ease, resting in presence, not as much resting in our stories, which aren't very restful. (laughs) You develop this confidence. You develop a confidence and you don't mind taking a chance, maybe making a misstep, because you trust that you'll feel it if it's not right. You'll feel it in time. It's all part of 
what I often speak about, what many people speak about, is living in authenticity, living your authentic life and being attuned to what your own your own frequency is transmitting to you. And it's nothing one has to make effort for. Effort is not required. Effort is uh, in the way. It's in relaxation. It's in the non-straining. And as I spoke about last week, it's in your general contentment. Whereby you feel, you're, you're feeling very abundant. You know, as we were just sitting here for this period before I began speaking, and just before it got dark and the birds were twittering away and the wind was blowing and I was feeling just the, the extraordinary experience of sitting in this, in this nature that we enjoy here and just the simplicity of listening to the bird song and the wind and no other sounds, really. A little bit of rustling in, in the room, but how privileged is that in this world in this world where a lot of people now actually never experience that. They never are in a situation where there's no noise, no man-made noise. They're not breathing fresh air. Some people, many, many people now on earth, never breathe fresh air. The best air they can breathe is indoors. And they are not able to just hear the bird song and the wind and breathe the fresh air. So sitting in this recognition, in this appreciation, in this abundance, in, in as I've been speaking about hammering on, I would even say, falling in love with the little joys of life, the little small joys which are just sprinkled throughout the day, you trip over them. But often we're distracted. We're waiting for something bigger or we're on some miserable story. Not quite enjoying the little joys. As you start to tune into those, you feel so rich. You feel so lucky. And your mind chatter quiets. It's not that it stops and it doesn't have to stop. Mind chatter is conditioned in human animals. But the mind chatter becomes less interesting to you, as I've been saying. Not very interesting at all. A little bit now and again. It recedes into the background Into the foreground comes this experience of strong presence, of noticing lots of things, and this reliance on proceeding through your life from that quiet place where you're just trusting 
There's a famous, it's the third Zen patriarchs. It's called the verses of the third Zen patriarch. Sometimes called the verses of the faith mind. And and the whole entire booklet is a kind of exhortation to, to move through life from this sort of Taoist clarity of the heart whereby you're just, you're proceeding, you're moving from your center and you don't have to know the whole path ahead. You just have to know how it feels to move from your center. So of an evening like this, we're just hanging out in that. We're not learning anything, not practicing anything. We don't have a goal ahead. We're just immersing. We come together because the immersion is quite strong when we come together on this frequency. It's very helpful. And it's nothing that's not already familiar, of course. It's very familiar. Sometimes it gets overlooked, amazingly. The most, the most lovely aspect, sometimes it gets overlooked. We get busy. <laughs> Thank you. What I can't get used to is that we can see this new paradigm, we can see this new way, but it's those people who are specifically trying to destroy it, and especially in Byron Bay, to exploit us. And continually I see this exploitation of people coming here, of corporations, um, of everybody who's got something to do. They're not coming to contribute to our society, they're coming to exploit us and then go away and make money, or for whatever other reason. In doing that, they destroy the very reason that we live here and that we are here in this spiritual place. So how do we counter the destruction that's being caused by all of these organizations, people, the politicians are run by the corporations, the corporations are run by the banks, and the banks are controlled by 3% of people. So that's the system that I'm aware of, and we have to get used to it. But how can we explain that there is a better way and to counter the destruction that's being caused and to ask from the universe, can you please give us some kind of encouragement that we can keep on putting forth these ideas to show people? Yeah, I've been hoping for an alien invasion. Just joking. Um, You know, the world, uh, our time, as I've been saying these last weeks, we have our particular burdens here in this time, very special to this time. Um, All the other previous times had different types of burdens, craziness. And this is not to say that there isn't plenty of uh, room for action and for 
offering the other paradigm, as you say, offering another perspective. But ultimately, one has to whisper yes to how it's rolling out. It's like there's a Zen saying, even though it's all perfect, there's still room for improvement. <laughs> that, you know, it's a, it's a very uh, huge juggernaut that has been, you know, it's an evolutionary thrust that has been going a long, long time since creatures arrived here on this planet, you know, that since all the little single-cell organisms turned into <laughs> multiple-cell organisms, Right? There's an evolutionary thrust. It's not just us. It's not just the recent corporations. Um, it's not just the crazy politics. It's not just the burgeoning world population, the destruction of the environment, etc. It's been going. It's been headed in this direction pretty one-pointedly for a very long time. Now, you have your life here for a few more minutes, Right? A time, a very time uh, limited time. And while it's beautiful to be concerned and to observe uh, what's happening, I think it's important to reserve a tremendous amount of, um, of your awareness and your heart in a bow to this is how it is here. Anyway, that's how I do it. That's how I play it. There's a part of me that is just going, what? <laughs> like, how stupid is this? Right? And another part of me is saying, also, okay, this too. Right? It's how I'm facing my own death. Right? It's basically how I'm facing that. You know, it's sort of like, it's wonderful to be here, love being alive. And also, this will come to an end. And as I said last week, um, the bulk of the time now is behind. Unless I live to 130. (laughs) (laughs) Which I don't think is going to happen. So, it's... um, You know, it's, 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 it's the particular cross that we bear in our time because we're so privy to the information. We get, the, we get it all day if we want it, and it's worldwide, you know. What you're describing here in Byron Bay is a microcosm of what's going on on planet Earth everywhere, right? This is one of the places that it's the least bad, <laughs> Right, um, and we—it's happening everywhere. Um, so, you know, one can just sort of rail at the heavens and shake your fist at the sky and grumble and be depressed and anxious and angry, and um, or you can have a little bit of that, <laughs> you know, just because you're paying attention and it, there are those moments. Um, but I, my recommendation is to really get into appreciation. You know, I said the other day in Lennox that um, part of the power of loss 
is the reminder of what is left. That's part of, part of the grief, the power of that grief, is that it intensifies your love of the beauty that's left. It does, <clears throat> but should we keep on trying? This is the frustration of the whole thing. You look at it and you think, is it worthwhile? Give me some encouragement. If it's your what, nature, why do I do this? If it's your nature and if it's what makes you feel good, I again, I quoted last week, um, my friend W.S. Merwin has, has a beautiful poetic line which he said, on the last day of the world, I would want to plant a tree. Right? So if it's your nature and if it's what makes you feel good and if, if you want to, if your soul is lit up by taking a stand until the last breath, right? Voting for the greater good, standing on the side of the angels till the last breath, then, you know, right on, brother. <laughs> now, not everybody's nature is that. Some, some people may go quietly into the dark night. Some people may just say, okay, it's played out the way it is. I'll rest through it, right? You see it also with the way people die. You know, some people fight to the last minute. And, and not even in denial. They, they, they're not necessarily in denial. Some people maybe are, but some people just do whatever it takes until the very last day, you know? One of my friends told me that his father, who was a big, big-time industrialist in the U.S., um, you know, you just... He, he, he couldn't be brought down for most of his life. I mean, all kinds of ailments, but he would never, like... He would never stop working or anything. Anyway, on the very day he died, that morning, he told his nurses that he wanted to do his physical therapy. He was, like, all revved up to do his physical therapy, and... He really didn't have the strength to do that, but he was wanting to do that. He was planning to do it, and then he died. <laughs> Not funny, but it's just that he was sort of like all the way to the end. He was going to be doing physical therapy, you know? <laughs> and so some, it's just his nature, you know? <laughs> so to really, again, in the authenticity, being true to your own nature, being real, if that's what makes you, if that's what floats your boat, lights you up, if that's what feels right to you, you go with what feels right. And it's beautiful, you know. There's, there's this poem I, I, I came across many years ago before the Internet, and I don't, I've never found it on the Internet. And I had a copy of it. Anyway, it's by uh, Czechoslovakian or Polish or somebody like that. Did I quote it in here? Did I quote a poem in here like that? No? Okay. I'll, I'll say it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just, I would, have pre, I would have done the preamble like that. Anyway, um, after the war, I'm going to really bastardize it, but anyway. <laughs> after the war, someone has to sweep up the glass. After the war, someone has to rebuild the schools and the apartment buildings. After the war, uh, someone has to walk the children to school 
And it goes on like this, after the war, after the war, these things. So then it comes to, after the war, friends can stroll down the street and forget there was a war. And after the war, someone can lay in a field and never know there was a war, right? So it's like all these different roles that are part of the unfolding here. And it's not that one is better than the other. It's, there's no judgment. There's no value of it, you know. So I know that it's a conversation about, you know, consciousness and activism. It's been going on a long, long, long time. The, the whole dichotomy that it can appear that, you know, should one just immerse in consciousness and just float and just say it's all perfect, it'll all just work out however it does, even if it's extinction, so be it. Um, or kind of raging against the machine, um, sometimes overly angry and therefore not very effective, ultimately. But I say there's a beautiful merger of the two. And some people are going to be more tipped on one end of that spectrum and others on other, the other end. But there can be a very beautiful merger of consciousness and activism and sometimes activism is showing up in very different ways than is obvious in terms of causes, you know. Sometimes one is just perhaps taking care of, of children, and maybe one of those children becomes an incredible leader, you know, as we've seen many times in history. You know, some of the most effective people who've had loving parents, you know, and great education. So, years and years ago, there was a time in my life when I, would, I was living in Marin County, and it's part of the San Francisco area, and I was going into the city of San Francisco in the evening times to go see my boyfriend and stay the night. And so I was crossing the Golden Gate Bridge at rush hour uh, every pretty much every night. And I would always try to get into a particular lane of the toll booth um, because there was this this beautiful black man at this particular toll booth who I would often notice if the car... He was, it was so sweet. He was always just so kind. It was He was so cheerful. And imagine he's in this toll booth with fumes from... You know, the cars all around all day or evening or whatever, all night maybe he's working. Um, and sometimes it's quite cold uh, on, you know, uh, over the San Francisco Bay in the winter and rainy. But he always was so sweet, so lovely. And I'd notice that he'd sometimes be giving the car ahead of me, there'd be kids in the car, he'd be giving them something. So one night, he and I were kind of buddies because we saw each other practically every day. You know, it was just a quick hello, you know, just a little flash. Um, but one night I said, what are you giving those kids? What do you give the kids? And he picks up a, a bag of Tootsie Rolls that he had with him in his little booth. And he said, he said, you know, a lot of them are on long journeys. I give them a little treat. Now, probably it's illegal to do that at this point. This was long ago. But... I just thought, God, he's like this ambassador of 
kindness and goodness and sweetness, and he's he's affecting so many people, you know, many, 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 many cars going through that toll booth every hour, right? So it's like that. You, you start to rework your idea of what activism is and what the effectiveness is. And maybe it's just planting a tree or just a, a kind word to someone who's having a bad day and, you know, you start moving again from your own center, from your own deep quiet, from your own simplicity. You get out of your own way, your own agenda, your own big story, and your identity, right? And then you start moving from the most organic uh, impulses. Hi. Um, Hi. I wanted to ask about decision-making. Yes. Because in the last two talks I've been able to make, um, you point to a place of ease inside and clarity where decisions don't even really have to be made. They're just stepped into somehow. And my experience is that decisions... I have a patterning where decisions are the things that takes me back into my mind and gets me round and around and it's where I get most stuck. So I guess I'm just going, ah! (laughs) Well, just to be clear, it's not that I've said that decisions don't have to be made. Sometimes they certainly do have to be made. Um, But, I mean, in terms of the theme tonight... It has a lot to do with, with the feeling of something. You try it on in the feeling body, right? And, I, like and, that, and that takes some getting used to. It's, it's kind of a habit. And it takes some reference of what it even feels like to try on something in, in the body, you know? How does it feel in my body hmm. when I picture it? when I picture going this direction or that direction, what does it feel like? Not what am I thinking it's going to work out like, but how is it feeling? And as I said, sometimes you still have to push through. It does have to be, it does have to be accomplished. Yeah. I feel like I have, have such a, get so caught in, a habit of feeling something and then fighting against it or, or going into the mind to then pull it apart and break it up into all its little components and work out if I'm really feeling what I'm feeling and then I'll feel the other option and then I'll go back into the mind and I end up overthinking everything so much mm. that the feeling is not even available to me anymore. Yeah, right. So... This has to do with the ongoing habit of allowing yourself to really rest in the deepest, quietest place. Not, that doesn't mean you have to stop the mental thinking. It goes on on its own, but it can go on in the background. Yeah. And in the foreground is this strong sense of presence. Yeah. And you, you keep returning to that. You keep touching that. You keep affirming that in your experience, moment by moment, just as soon as you remember to do that, to remember to check in like that. And it becomes stronger and stronger. So you're starting to just then float around more as that. 
And I, then, and then, there are times when you have to think a problem through. You have to think a situation through. You have to look at the various options in terms of decision making. All of that is important. You have a decision, a decision to make, right? So you you go through the list, but you ultimately you can really rely on this feeling sense. And even know that if you should proceed with something, and it's just not quite right, the feeling sense will let you know. Okay, I, I love that. I love the extra little trust. <laughs> yes, and an extra yeah. willingness to change the course if need be. Mm. Right. And something came up for me as you were speaking about when when I'm in presence, then then I can really hear what you're speaking about, being in presence mm. and bringing it to the fore. But when I'm not in presence, then I feel like it's a million miles. I mean, I think it's the similar story that most people share in different forms, but my mind will try to, to find presence, but it's yeah. already through the wrong place somehow. Yes, so right. it's, it's hard to find how to drop back. I know. Yeah. It's like one of those, you know those... Um, those visual books whereby there's an image and there's like a and it looks like a holographic um, yeah. creature pops out of the image, yeah. and suddenly you know at first you're just looking at a bunch of lines on a page, <clears throat> and then suddenly there's a deer in the forest, yeah. and you're not quite sure how you were able to see it, right? But something about relaxing and you're not quite sure how it happened, right? Um, and then you can always see it. You can yeah. kind of always return to it. So it's like that. There's some way in which, you know, there's just this, ah, oh, you know, you just sink again, you know. Yeah. And, and then it's just obvious. You know, there's nothing that you've discovered anew, really. It's just you've returned. And, and it becomes so sweet, that habit, and you start to rely on it so strongly that the other habit of a lot of mental noise, of a lot of just neurotic chatter, of a lot of identified thinking, identification in thought, having to pump up a story, all of that is so tiring, mm -hmm. just wearying. Yeah. So that contrast starts to get really strong. Mm. I actually, as as you were speaking, as well, I got, um, I really got how when I'm not seeing the 3D holographic, how I'll have an expectation that I should be able to see the 3D graphic, and so yeah. there's the beating myself up pattern that's separating me more and more from the dropping in. Yes, and so then as you were speaking about the the um, the beauty of finding that second place, I was already in the beating myself up place. So I'm just really speaking what I'm, you know, what's coming to me in this moment. Yes, yeah. very good. Yes, and what you're saying, I think a lot of us over the years have had that, you know, that I've heard that many, many times, thousands of times, you know, yeah. that that's an extra layer of stress that is unnecessary, yeah. you know. Yay for layers. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> And um, any other hints for finding holographic pictures? <laughs> any magic wands? 
Just relax, make no effort. Just relax and make no effort. Really, you know. Thank you. Yeah, I mean it's not a trick. You know, we, we hear this this phrase, "Make no effort." Punjaji used to say it all the time. Yeah, this is primary teaching: make no effort. Yeah. And the effort to make no effort is well, quite profound. People, people will make people will make that phrase. They will make it effort, effortful somehow. You know, yes. it's like they're straining to yeah. make no effort. Yeah. And there's, it's, there's no trick about it. Yeah. It's, it's, there's no... <laughs> right? Yeah. And then when, you, when th- those moments occur, you know, when those moments occur where you really are, it just comes over you and you realize, oh, this is so easy, <laughs> you know. And you realize, oh, yeah, there was no effort. Yeah. Right? But sometimes we forget later, you know, and you find yourself climbing the mountain again. Yeah. You know, going loop-de-loop around. Um, so, thank you. I'm feeling quite. Um, I can feel quite a, like a bit of fear going on. So it's good. I'll sit with all of this and find my non-effortful effort <laughs> or something. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, and there's also just a soaking that happens mm. in a context like this. You know, whereby you know you're just the words are. They're just pointers, you know. They're just they're just an excuse somehow, and and really, it's a frequency, it's a vibe that we're sitting in, and that's the power of an evening like this. It's really not in the in the teaching, so called, or the words. It's it's sitting in the space. That's why we came. Ah, very <laughs> Even good. Even though I hadn't planned to. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. It's lovely to see you. <laughs> lovely to see you. Um, why are we like that? <laughs> <laughs> why are we such rebel to our own cause? Mm. Why are we so bad at going to what's best for us? Mm. I don't get it. I don't either. <laughs> yeah, well, we're very, you know, clever monkeys and... Um, and you see how some of the chimpanzees and other of the monkey uh, groups behave with each other. It's not pretty, um, although the bonobos are nice. But, you know, I mean, you know, we're conditioned creatures. And, and we happen to be extremely successful at manipulating the world to bending things to our liking. And so here we are. This is now the the result of the clever thinking animal. And fortunately, um, along the way, there are some, you know, I said the other week, a couple of weeks ago, that through time there have been certain beings who have spoken this very same truth, this very same experience over centuries of time we have that record and that there have been many people of our species many creatures of our species who have seen this right and many who haven't and uh, be grateful that you're one of the ones who has it's as I said last week it's the only sanctuary there is it's the fast track for 
a beautiful life. It's, it's the fast track for a relational life, for life of the heart, of the, of the mind, in terms of the more interesting stuff that's offered up here. And uh, just be grateful, on your knees grateful. Um, and what to do about how, how the human species behaves, right? If you look at history, if you look at medieval times, if you look at almost any of the previous times, it's pretty shocking, right? Um, and what even goes on today in this world is shocking, shocking. But again, counting one's blessings that by some kind of extraordinary grace, you live among the gentle folk. <laughs> you live here in the Shire. So, you know, um, that you just kind of... And then with that understanding of one's own abundance in this, of one's own privilege, you... you it uh, inspires to... You know, what is the phrase? To those who much is given, much is expected you know that you 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 give back the best you can and it doesn't really do much for you to be taken down by the poor situation of of i don't mean poor in terms of poverty i mean poor in terms of ethics and of kindness uh, of the world that that goes on you know and, there, and, you know, I, I've said, you've heard me say, you know, I live with a broken heart at it. I pay attention to the news and I see what happens, not entirely, obviously, but I watch a lot of the news. And it's just, you're just stunned by it, you know. After all this time, still continue to be just stunned by it. And yet, it's like Isa said at the grave of his 13-year-old girl, Isa, the Japanese Zen poet, um, he said, this dewdrop world is indeed a dewdrop world, and yet, standing at the graveside of his daughter, right, yes, this is a blink, it's a dewdrop world, here and gone, right, um, and yet, in the dewdrop here, <laughs> you know, right? it's pretty, it's rich, it's intense, it's beautiful, it's horrible, it's everything, you know, and, and you as a feeling one, as an empath, you have to bear a lot of it, you have to bear it the best you can, and thankfully you have the Dharma. Thankfully you have a place that you can be in your own case, so, like for me, many, many, many times, my there's a phrase that will come to me: "Go to quiet." Like as things, if something is getting intense or just some whatever, you know. When I was unpacking, you know, there were there were helicopters overhead dumping water. There was a fire nearby, and we were listening to the radio to see if we were going to have to evacuate. And I was unpacking my belongings that had just arrived after being at sea for a long time. And 
it was just all so ironic and everything. And, and every now and again, a little bubble of fear would come up, you know. Um, and a little bubble of, like, not just fear for my life about having to jump in my car and get the hell out of there, but also fear about all my stuff and, you know, all this, all this collection of art that people have given me and all this, these things that I had treasured, you know, could go up like that in smoke. And I would feel this little, you know, but some, some old habit uh, that I rely on would come in and say, go to quiet. And just, I would just then keep unpacking the stuff. <laughs> you know, if I have to run, then I'll run. Um, so like that, and it seems to be the theme for the night, is that you're trusting the clarity, the quiet, right? The, the, the wavelength that you're resting, that you're living on, you're trusting that to be your guide in any given moment. Because see, I could say, and I, well, I won't because I can't really say it, but people will give you all kinds of stories to, in answer to your question, why is it like this? People will tell you all kinds of cosmological theories. I've never found any of them to be persuasive. Um, you know, that it's some big test and it's some big karmic thing and it's some kind of crazy God play, Leela, um, on and on. I've heard lots of the um, rumors, but um, I haven't been persuaded by any of them. I love Leonard's lines. Uh, let's see. Let me think of it. Though all the maps of blood and flesh are posted on the door, there's no one who has told us yet what Boogie Street is for. Boogie Street being life. Yeah. So they're filling up the libraries, right? All the different theories and the religions and the philosophies and the traditions. And they've all, they're all posted on the door. You can find them all. But no one has told us yet. And... So it, this is a mystery we live in. This is a gigantic, fabulous mystery. This has been In the Deep. You can find the entire list of In the Deep podcasts at katherineagram.com, where you can also book a private session by phone or Skype, see the schedule for Dharma Dialogues and Retreats, or make a tax-deductible donation in support of this work. Till next time.